My name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And we are the Exorcisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. So welcome to another trip through 100 Years of Horror. In this episode of 100 Years of Horror, we are going to focus on the second half of the 1940s, going through 1945 through 1949. And before we begin, Kristen and I are having to do things a little bit differently today. This is the very first time in the history of our podcast, which has been over a year and about, man, we've recorded over 100 episodes together, even though this is like we haven't done our 100th episode of regularly scheduled Monday episodes, but just with all of our hypes and happy hours, we've done over 100 episodes where we have not recorded in person. So we apologize if there are any delays or if like the intro is kind of weird because we're actually recording on Zencaster because of COVID-19. We are practicing safe social distancing. <laughs> yeah, yes. Which is super weird. Like I'm staring at computer monitors and not my co-host so yeah it's real weird it's gonna be hard because we feed so much off of each other's expressions and like I talk to my hands and so I can't see you so I don't know if the vibe of this is gonna be any different so I am sorry if it's just a little off and we also are recording on different equipment each like we usually record Mm -hmm. on the same microphone every time you know we do it together so you know, this is different for us. <laughs> right, exactly. It's going to definitely be weird. Each time you talk and I try to like join in with you, it's also really bubbly. So I'm going to have to get used to that. Yep, it's it's definitely <laughs> a change for us. But, you know, it Zencaster allows us to kind of keep the it going and not have to pause. So at least there's that and we have that available to us. And Zencaster, yeah, thank God. Yeah. Zencaster has actually waived their fees for podcasters right now, which is super awesome. So not Amazing. sponsored, but shout out to Zencaster because that's <laughs> right. super awesome. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Thank God for them. All right. So I'm going to start off 1940s part two with starting in 1945, a British horror movie which was really cool. I'm going to, before I even start with the title, it was really interesting because I found out that horror movies were actually banned in Britain during World War II. So obviously it must have ended because this was able to pick back up. So our very first movie is Dead of Night. That was the first note that I even wrote down while we were doing this was because I looked up Dead of Night and this is not the only British film that is on this list, actually, which so they must have been like, oh, my God, we can do horror again. (laughs) Finally. exactly, yeah. And they kicked it off very well because I actually really liked Dead of Night. It's. So basically, it is a horror anthology, kind of like Trick or Treat was, where we have four different stories, different Mm -hmm. horror stories. All of this group comes together in this home, and this man's very creepy, and he's like, oh my god, I remember this. I remember you. I remember you. I remember this all happening. He's like... I've dreamt this before. Exactly. Which, you know, for me, I have those creepy dreams, so that was great. And basically, the, the anthologies are, we have a haunted sleepover, we have a cursed mirror, we have a haunted golfer, and... The end is just terrible with a ventriloquist. You know, nobody wants to see a freaking dummy. Dude. It was <laughs> kind of like the, how the puppets were creepy in Bluebeard, you know? Exactly. It's, it's They're like everything old, creepy is creepier doll. in the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> much creepier. I didn't get much out of any of them. They were all just pretty basic good except for the freaking mirror one there's this haunted mirror and all i keep thinking of is why are you leaving it in your room tear it the fuck down 
break it, take it somewhere else, cover it back up. I was also thinking that as well. I also thought that the, I thought it was a really creative film and they Mm could have, I loved that, you know, they came back and horror has been banned throughout the entire war. Like Britain was just like, we have enough bad shit going on. Right. Ban horror. Life is enough of a horror right now. (laughs) And then they come back with this and they're like, one horror genre is not enough. So this, let's just come back with a bang. And instead of just like one horror film, let's do this. Like you said, this whole anthology of like, okay, this guy comes back and they're all like, oh, well, you have these weird dreams. Well, this has happened to me and this has happened to me. And they all share these paranormal or supernatural occurrences. And so they're like, all right, let's do horror, but let's do all of it. Right, exactly. They weren't going to leave it at just the haunted sleepover or anything like that. They're like, we have four great stories. Let's do it. Like Haunted Mansion, kind of. Exactly. It was a pretty decent movie. I was entertained the whole time, at least. And I can't say that for the rest of them. Yeah, it was black and white, but the picture was, at least in the copy that I watched, was very clear. Yeah. It was very good. And I also like that in pretty much all of the, not all of them, but there's like a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Very, that's just like an underlying theme. And I no, I really enjoyed this one. And like I said, my favorite part about it was that there were all of these horror elements being thrown at you all at once. And it was just kind of like ode to horror after such a mm-hmm. long hiatus. And so exactly. I, I like that Great Britain got on out, at least our list of, you know, being from you know, becoming yeah, hundred years of horror. And then all of a sudden they get on this list of like best of the best and they get to come back with a bang. So I thought that yeah, was a great way. Right after the war. That is really cool. Yeah. So we move on to 1946 and this film is called the beast with five fingers. And this one actually was, oh, so some of these are a little bit more dull overall, in my opinion, and I think in yours as well. These five films were a little more dull than the first half of the 1940s. Oh, yeah. This oh, yeah. one I didn't think was super dull. Um, no, it was okay. Yeah, The Beast with Five Fingers. So brief synopsis, and again, we have five films to go through, so these are very brief, just little, you know. Mm-hmm what happened in this film so there's a man and he is a pianist and he had a stroke and he falls in love with his nurse and this setting was in this very small italian village 50 years ago and i'm assuming this is from 1946 50 years prior to then Mm -hmm. and this is a story born from love and jealousy and so you know that's very indicative of the time because if you look a lot of these films are of some from this era it's like love and jealousy and women and you know yeah definitely they definitely play up that a lot so basically he's also very rich very wealthy very well off and he's written this will and he rewrote it to basically leave everything he has to this woman that is his nurse but he has a son and i believe a nephew and some friends that are all expecting to be cut into this will and he dies is poisoned and of when they find out that she is in the will after she was actually going to leave with another man that she fell in love with which when he found out he strangled the person that told him almost to death So you get that side story as well. Of course, they Mm -hmm. all want to find out 
you know, there's got to be some sort of conspiracy. They're all very pissed off, obviously. So then it becomes kind of a very similar haunted mansion style, except when they go and they go to dig up his body and they find that his hand is missing. And so we have another hand story. So if you go back to Hands of Orlock, they like body parts. Yeah, also also a pianist. Yes, also a pianist. (laughs) So there's this hand. You see this hand going around and these people turning up dead all in this old manner. And they think it's haunted. And there's this one creepy dude. His name is Hillary going through and he's convinced of this hand. And he kind of sees it crawling on a desk and he freaks out. And And there's all these subplots of this woman trying to run away with this man that she loves. But then there's this will and this attorney and these investigators. And so, you know, it's much more than what I'm getting at. But the creepy they did really well because the hand is playing piano at night and everybody's freaking out and the man's ring is just plopped right there on the piano and it's like oh what is that so the creepy factor of the man playing the piano in the middle of the night and people turning up dead and there's a disembodied hand just kind of appearing throughout and crawling around and choking people you know that's that is creepy. But then at the end, they discover a hidden record player that had recordings of him playing and conclude that somebody had been doing it to scare people. So they also conclude that his he had snapped at the end and oh, yeah. believed that, you know, he had fabricated this whole thing. And then after he killed, you know, X amount of people, he just had lost it and started believing his own lies. But it was still creepy. And at the end, there's actually a humorous scene where the inspector, I believe he was, gets scared of his own hand crawling on him and like Mm -hmm. breaks the fourth wall down by laughing with the audience. So I thought that was creative. And this movie, you know, actually did hold my interest pretty well. For some reason, all of these films in the second half of these 1940s felt exceptionally long. Oh, God, yeah. And they They weren't particularly, like, compared to the first half of the 1940s when they were all exceptionally short, I guess, because we went from, oh, these are only like an hour 15 Mm to, oh, my God, this one's an hour 45. Right. It's a normal freaking film length. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but this one, I think, was an hour, hour 20. It wasn't super long, but they did feel... A little bit longer because you've just got a lot of scenes in these films of people just sitting there talking right i, a lot I do of remember dialogue. <laughs> the only thing i really remember that i even wrote down about this was great i remember there's a scene where one of the men is coming after the woman with a knife and the first thing she's she's like i believe you i believe you that's fucking smart if someone comes at you with a knife you tell them you believe them whatever they're doing the man that's kind of coming unhinged yeah yes and there was one the man that is coming unhinged he sees well he believes he sees the hand crawling towards him and he opens a drawer to like look for it there's a hammer right there and eventually he does grab the hammer just grab grab the hammer just just do that the hand isn't like exceptionally it's not like cockroach fast like just just go at it it'll be all right (laughs) and he eventually like throws the hand in the fire and that doesn't even work and i'm like you know, if anybody's body part was coming after me, I think, you know, even if it's small, a hand would be one of those things where I could probably, like, Just take it out. step on it or whatever you need to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like a bug, you know. Exactly. Totally agree. 
Moving on to 1947, I have an American movie, and we're back in color. Woo! There's only two in the 40s, but yep. we're back in color for Scared to Death. With Bella Lugosi. The only thing, um, before I even tell you guys what the movie's about, it got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. We're talking about the best of the best of horror. There must have been nothing in 1947 because, wow, this was not good. Yeah, and also the copy, at least the one that I watched, wasn't that great. And if you look on IMDb, the voting on it mm-hmm. had about 1,300 votes, and it still only got a 4 out of 10. Just exactly. Just from, like, the masses. Um, I mean, so- 16% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's crazy. Yeah. It's ter- It's not a good movie. I will totally say that right in the beginning. And also, I don't remember much about it because it was so boring and I didn't like it. But basically... A woman is married to a man, and that man and his father are keeping her captive. And, and driving her mad. Exa- and driving her mad. That's basically the movie. And then at the end, you you know from the beginning that she dies. That's literally how it starts the movie. She's on the autopsy table. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And at the end, you find out that she was scared to death, because that's the title, of a mask. Mm-hmm. That's basically the movie. Yeah. And the reason I think that this film is so low rated is it's one not incredibly captivating and two it's a little hard to follow in my opinion uh-huh. no i even wrote down the oddest acting choices was this horror was this a comedy what was it right and there the the man's her father-in-law is a psychiatrist i believe or a psychologist yeah and he's trying to convince her that she's like sick in the head and so in that way it kind of reminded me of the cat and the canary because you know they're Mm -hmm. trying to convince her that she's mad and did all this stuff but there's also all these sub characters that come in and kind of start to see the same things she does but it's at the same time it's just it's a little confusing and maybe part of that is that it's not well preserved and so you're kind of trying to pick out kind of some bad audio quality here and there but also Mm -hmm. the actors didn't sell it and it's not like you can blame that on the times because you had bella lugosi like it's right exactly or actor you know he's pretty staple especially for horror horror subgenre during this period in fact in i think the next one um yeah so it's hard to say that's a bad choice there are just so many weird choices though in this movie like they have seen transitions of her talking as a memory and then it'll go to the real world we think and it'll do this ah thing to change scenes it was so fucking weird or there's this cop in there who is so annoying he's like the that dumb character that you see in those movies you you just know what i'm talking about that dumb cop yeah it was just a very annoying movie and it was the longest hour of my life the only thing that I did think was interesting was she is shown on the autopsy table and she actually narrates from yes, Beyond that the was Brave. awesome. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a cool choice, I thought, but the rest of it was nah. Yeah, know. exactly. I'd pass on this one. Yeah, I could have been could have definitely left it. I'll probably not even think about this film again mm-hmm. ever again. So, you know. So moving on, actually, the next one we have is a comedy, I guess you mm-hmm. could say, because it is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is kind of a, I wouldn't say misnomer because they do meet Frankenstein, but they also meet Dracula and Wolfman. Right. 
and I really cool. yes, I must admit, I thoroughly enjoyed this film because I think it goes back to when I was so my grandfather, my dad's dad died when I was like six years old. But up to that point, every time I would go over, he would let me stay up late to watch Three Stooges right before the TV cut. Um, oh, I get it. Yeah, it definitely so feels like the Three Mrs. Stooges. Abbott and Costello are very similar humor. That's like slapstick 1940s, 1950s comedy because you kind of have Mo and Curly as are similar to Abbott and Costello's brand of comedy because mm-hmm. um, Abbott is actually sim- um, what's called like he's a straight man, not like heterosexual, but that's what his <laughs> he's very dry humor. Exactly. Is his mm-hmm. comedian style is. Whereas Costello was like the dumb, stupid, like overweight, you know? Like yeah, but he's like, fucking hilarious. There's a scene where somebody comes into his shop. He's a poster worker and somebody comes in and they're being a douchebag and he just throws it back at him. Great customer service. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that someday. I just want to tell somebody off who's being an asshole just walking in. Oh my God. Me too. <laughs> but what I really enjoyed about this film was the only, the well, you get... All a lot of your universal monsters here. You get Lon Chaney Jr. back as Wolfman. Mm-hmm. You get Bella Lugosi as Dracula. The only one you don't get is Boris Harloff does not come mm-hmm. back as Frankenstein's monster. That's it's actually Glenn Strange, which is kind of a disappointing. I'm not yeah. sure why Boris Karloff didn't come back. I did not get that. I'm not sure if you did. I did not. But so basically you've got these two they're like basically baggage workers or they they're kind of like ups and fedex guys currently yeah that's what they did back then basically and you've got all these universal monsters coming together because dracula wants to reanimate frankenstein and uses this woman that is it's that is seeing Wilbur who is Costello's character because they are going to put Wilbur's brain because he's meek and so a woman that's showing him attention he's going to do whatever for he's just easy to control basically and they want to put his brain into Frankenstein and then you just get a lot of this and Wolfman who is Talbot or Wolfman is trying to stop all of this from happening because if you recall Wolfman, he doesn't enjoy his plight. Not that Frankenstein's monster does, but he got bitten, unfortunately. And for most of the time, he's just a human victim, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's trying to stop all of this from happening. And so then you get this whole movie of them just running around and being scared. And Dracula is basically pulling all the strings of all these characters. And that's a very watered down plot, but Mm -hmm. it's, you know, them running and being scared and Dracula's pulling the strings, turning into bats and hypnotizing people. And they reanimate Frankenstein and Frankenstein, you know, is running around scaring people in the basement of this giant manor and Wolfman's trying to stop it. Right. That's that. (laughs) It was definitely funny. No, it was funny. I had a great time with that movie. Me too. And there's, I I found myself laughing quite a bit. There's like this first scene in the beginning where they're bringing, actually delivering Dracula to this house of horrors, which is a wax museum. And he's delivered himself under the guise of being a wax figure, basically. And there's this long scene of him trying to like come (laughs) out of the coffin, but then he goes back in and comes out and Costello is 
kind of looking back and forth and he's like, Oh, he's coming out and he's scared. And mm. the whole, like he sneaks out and gets back in. And I, it was just, it was just funny. Like it's very. Exactly. And nobody believes back. him and it's just yeah. great. And you don't really get that same kind of comedy anymore because we're just not that simple anymore. Mm-hmm. Like as, yeah. a, as a society where that just doesn't do it anymore. But I got to tell you, it made me just want to go and rewatch like all the old Three Stooges movies or like, not oh, the movies, but like the old bits, you know, because the movies, I don't, that, that doesn't really do it for me. But the bits <laughs> back from when my grandfather and I used to watch them, because when I was a kid, I thought that was the funniest shit. Oh, I totally bet. It feels exactly like that humor. Yeah. So, no, I really enjoyed it. It was funny and it just did it for me. So that was probably my favorite, even though it wasn't like solid horror but it brought back all the old universal monsters not all of them but the mains for most people and then at the end they're like oh my god thank god we got away and then the invisible man's like oh i wanted to join in on the fun and then he starts cackling Mm -hmm. and so right at the end he says allow me to introduce myself i'm the invisible man and they jump out of the boat and then later on and i think in the 50s you get Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. Exactly. So. Yeah, there are multiple of them, which is really cool. Yeah. Moving on to 1941, we are back in Britain. No more yeah. America. Goodbye. And we're moving on to Queen of Spades. Super interesting. Now, I was so excited for this movie because before I get into the movie, this movie has been remade. I want to say like something crazy like five times because people just love this idea so much yeah so i was like oh my and this is the most loved year uh, this version so i was so excited to watch it i was like this must be great i was so disappointed oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so this movie is all about a woman who sells her soul to the devil for three magic cards basically Mm -hmm. that make her great at poker she can't lose Mm-hmm. that's what this is all about and then it turns around that this man wants the same thing and he kind of tracks her down he finds her and he gets her to tell him what those cards are mm-hmm. so then he becomes this you know person that has sold their souls to the devil for these cards except he loses yeah. and in this there's a woman that he's trying to seduce to get closer to this woman with the cards and that's basically it it turned into something where i thought it was going to be I thought it was supposed to be, you know, a a devil getting someone's soul after this. And instead it became like a triangle, a love story. And I was really bored. Yeah. Well, and when you look at the plot, even if you, like, if you were to go and look at the plot right now, there are a couple film lovers who have really broken it down. And then it's like, if you were to just go to the Wikipedia page, it's like two sentences. Oh, I bet. Because, How do you really explain it? Well, it's and it's based on a short story. But anytime you tell a horror fan, oh, they sold their soul to the devil, they're like, I'm in. And, right. But this one is a little bit more convoluted than that. And it's not as simple as you want it to be. And I think that that's the problem that most horror fans are going to have with this or will love about it. And I think that just kind of depends on what you're looking for. I was a little like, so this guy that wants to win he's a soldier and he basically can't afford to play with the officers and so that's why he's like so drawn to he wants to get in with the bureaucrats basically Mm -hmm. so that's why he's so drawn to winning and like getting in because he wants to like up his social stance and i think they call it pharaoh but it's basically poker or faro right yeah and and then yeah it's like it is like an hour and 40 something minutes and it just does get like a little 
drawn out for for me I think mm-hmm. it could have been done in like <laughs> hour 15 right but, take the rom-com part of it out <laughs> yes exactly when I you know when you read you know I selling soul to the devil to win at cards mm-hmm. I just want to see that part right exactly you want to yeah. see her part of it like how did she sell herself to the devil or sell her soul to the devil let's do that yeah you know i was really interested when it was kind of read as as a story and you know they started things in like almost like reading a chapter book kind of thing mm-hmm. um i like narration in a lot of these old ones because i thought that was interesting how we did it back then as like an audience thing as reading to them i thought that i always think that's kind of neat but yeah this one this was on our list of ones we were excited about before we even started the podcast when we were going yeah. through this hundred years of horror thing before we did this. And yeah, I was, it definitely did not make my favorite so far that we've done. I didn't like yeah. hate it, but I was, I get a little tired of the, and I mentioned this even <laughs> when we started this episode of the like oh well it's a story fueled by love and jealousy exactly which like even now a lot of horror is like we just saw the remake of the invisible man like you know yeah but there's a literal quote in this that is if you don't meet me tonight i shall kill myself jesus christ how melodramatic you gotta be is emotional abuse (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah yeah yeah, this is so disappointing. My favorite. And I could definitely see why a lot of horror fans would love this. And I can definitely see why a lot of people would remake it. But I think a lot of people would do it based on the original short story, mm-hmm. I would assume, rather than this 1949 film. You know, right. I'd be interested yeah. to see the translation of the short story. So I don't know. But, you know, for me, I think. That if I were to go through, which we forgot to do, <laughs> and read them, uh, Dead of Night for me, probably like a, I know halves are kind of discouraged around here, but I'd probably give that one like three and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking through. I think probably three. Mm-hmm. Everything else would probably be like a one or a two, except for Abbott and Costello, four. I had a great fun with that. Yeah, I'd probably do Beast with Five Fingers around a three, Scared to Death, like a two. Abbott and Costello, I agree, a four. And then The Queen of Spades, like a two for me. Mm-hmm. So kind of a less enthusiastic half yeah. of the decade for us. You know, Second half of the 40s just kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's definitely, you know, if you, you might be into a lot of this, you know especially queen of spades i think that a lot of people are going to disagree with us on that one it just was not yeah probably i mean it's the most loved version so yeah yeah well thank you guys for hanging out with us we again this is our first time ever doing anything on zencaster so in post-production if anything is weird we apologize (laughs) yeah we are trying to figure this out depending on how long the coronavirus situation lasts We are just going to try to do our part by staying inside our houses and our heart goes out to you. I know this is affecting everybody. We hope that, you know, podcasts or Netflix or Hulu or whatever you need to escape from this is working for you, at least for a little while. Yep. I know I'm binging video games right now. Pretty hard. Oh, good. What are you playing? (laughs) Pac-Man. Really? Pac-Man World. 
Yeah, I grew up on that game, so now I'm playing it again. Brad and I have just been, like, playing a shit ton of Mario Party. Oh my god, how do you still play that game? I feel like you've been playing it for months. Aren't you burnt out yet? Mm, Nope. Not yet. (laughs) Nope. Not yet. Well, probably soon, though. (laughs) Yeah, but... Give me, like, a couple more days. I'm sure I will be. Well, you can find us on our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's the Extra Sisters Podcast or at the Extra Sisters. And if you would like to join our Patreon family, we have two tiers, a $1 and a $5 tier. You get extra content and entry into gifts. I think we can call them gifts if we, <laughs> if we can do that. It is patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters Podcast. And our Audible link, just to, if you would like a free trial of Audible, it is for 30 days. You can go to audibletrial.com slash the exorcisters. That might be helpful in quarantine. Also, because I just heard Audible's releasing a ton of free content for quarantine and for people stuck at home in isolation. Sweet. So you can get your free trial and then unlock a bunch of free content. Is That's what I heard. I know for sure about the free trial because that's through us. But I did also read they were releasing a lot of free content. So you can check that out again. It's audibletrial.com slash the exorcisters. And until next time, stay creepy. 